Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, good morning, church, once again. My name is Tom, and I'm the pastor here, and so glad that you've joined us today. I want us to stop and to breathe right now. So thankful for the song we just sang because it reminds me of the grace of God in my life. And we all so desperately need God's grace in our lives right now. For some of us, I know it's been a very heavy week. It has for me. I, uh, I think about this week, and, and we lost one of our own here at Hope, um, and we send our thoughts and our prayers uh, to Gaylene. Gaylene, we love you. Uh, we're thinking about you. Uh, Jay Williams was uh, a partner here at Hope Church. Uh, you probably saw him as you walked in the door. He would greet you with a smile. Uh, just this awesome teddy bear of a man who was just a good friend. Uh, Jay and Gaylene, integral parts of Hope Church, and our thoughts and our prayers are with you. And I know that you need God's grace in your life, and we all are feeling that. Some of us have had great weeks, and that's awesome, and this is why we need each other, that we need to be able to love each other well and depend on each other, uh, which is something we talked a little bit about last week. Today, we uh, continue in our series, Rebuilding Your Broken World. And I want to make sure, if I haven't been clear, that I'm really clear about why we're doing this and what we're really talking about. What we're talking about is going deep in our own hearts, not anyone else's. We're not talking about the church mission. We're talking about what it means to lead lives on mission and on purpose. And it's got to start with ourselves. And so we've gone to the Bible for truth. And yes, I do believe that there is absolute truth. And so that is always going to be our anchor. That is always going to be our foundation. And so we said, what does it mean to live lives on purpose and on mission? And quickly I'll recap because our text has been uh, what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we started there and we talked about what it meant to love God and to work on that in our own hearts. And we tried to give you some practical steps and tools to take. And last week we talked about loving people in a time where we're kind of all on top of each other in our own circles. What does it mean to love people well? Today we're going to get to the third part, which is kind of a cousin to last week, and that's serve other people well. We're going to talk about that And as we do, I want to mention the other main text uh, that we had there, and that's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Let God transform you. And we've spent time on that word. It means metamorphosis. It means to change. It means to evolve. We're supposed to become something different. The scripture says something new, right? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
And then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we're going to jump right in to this next piece here called serve the world. And I want to start with a question. And uh, you could uh, answer them out loud or you could answer them in your own heart. But here's the very easy question for you, something to ponder. How much does culture impact the way we think? How much does culture impact the way we think? How much does culture impact the way we just approach our everyday life? Have you ever sat to think about that? And if so, what are some of the ways that culture has impacted your thinking, maybe even the things that you take for granted. So again, how profound of an influence does culture have on the way we think? I want to start again today's message by going back to Romans 12. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. So don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, of this culture, but let God transform you into a new person. And I want us to check out this next line. You could say it out loud with me by changing the way you think. Let's say it again, by changing the way you think. So I ask the question again, how much does culture impact the way we think? Uh, Many years ago, uh, before kids, uh, Sarah and I had a chance to take a trip to Indonesia with her family. Her brother uh, served as a missionary there for some time. And so we took a six-week trip, one of the greatest trips of our lives as well. Super um, um, profound and uh, uh, engaging of our our hearts. Uh, Just a really cool time. Um, But there are three things that stuck out to me uh, with that trip. Um, And uh, one of them was we were kind of prepped beforehand that when we went there, we would have to bring a decent amount of more dressy clothes. So like khaki pants and a collared shirt. And again, I'm thinking I'm going to vacation, really. And why do I need to dress up? You can't tell me what I should wear. So that kind of struck me odd. The second thing I remember was when we got to the village, uh, we were required to go have a visit with the village leader. And we had this time of, um, it was like a tea ceremony, and we sat in a circle um, and we talked to the village leader. And again, it's one of those things you kind of push back on because you you can't make me do this. I'm my own independent person, right? The third thing I remember is we happened to be there over uh, the Indonesian Independence Day celebration. And so there was this, there was this big celebration uh, at some point while we were there. And there was a big party. And I don't remember if it was at a gathering place or someone's house. Uh, but we all went to this thing. And, of course, we dressed up. And uh, what struck me was all the men gathered and partied on one side and all the women gathered and partied on the other. And so... This was completely normal for them, but it was completely foreign to me. And I pushed back on it. And then I, I, I guess I didn't realize, you see, because when you're a Westerner coming into uh, that area of the world to not dress up 
was kind of disrespectful. Because why wouldn't you, if you have uh, some uh, privilege, you would want to present yourself in the best possible way you can. So it was an expectation that we would dress nicely. And if we didn't, it was kind of disrespectful. And then my whole thinking about meeting with the village leader, what was lost on me was the fact that we were coming into their village and they took complete and full responsibility. They wanted to know what we were doing, where uh, you know, we were going, um, and it was for the sole purpose of just knowing where we were so that he could protect us, so that they, as a village, could protect us if something was to go wrong. But again, to my American culture way of thinking, that just seemed like an invasion of my privacy, right? And then uh, just separating out into uh, groups of men and groups of women was something completely foreign to me because we don't do that in American culture. And it got me thinking, it was kind of like, oh, I have to transform the way I think. I'm not even saying what we do is right or good. It's just different. And it reminds me of the change that takes place when we become followers of Jesus, right? What used to be normal, and now that we've walked with Jesus, that has become abnormal and maybe more foreign to us. And so there's kind of like these, these two worlds. We, we process everything differently now because God has changed the way we think, very significant. So I want to read on in that passage just for a couple of minutes. Uh, For by the grace, this is starting in verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. So in other words, he's saying, stop thinking of yourself first, right? Don't put yourself over here like you got, don't think of yourself First, let's keep going. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment and according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, start changing the way you think, We are not an entity to ourselves. We have responsibilities to each other now. I know if you're a biblical scholar, I'm stretching the passage a little bit. I know it's talking about um, uh, the church and the body of Christ, right? But the other's first principle still applies. It's unmistakable throughout Scripture. Time and time again, we see this others first over me first principle. Let me share a quick, very interesting story with you. We find it in Mark chapter 10. And there's this really interesting exchange between Jesus and the disciples. And the paraphrase is something like this. There were two disciples that came to Jesus and said, Hey, you know we're all in this thing with you. You've seen, um, we, we've been by your side. Uh, we've helped you do your miracles. We're all in. We believe in your kingdom come. And so they say, Jesus, 
When your kingdom comes, remember us, please. We, are, we more than anything want to help you. And we're willing to sit on your right hand and your left and to help you as you rule over this kingdom of yours. Well, the other disciples got wind of the conversation and they were pretty ticked off. Who were they to just kind of offer themselves a seat at Jesus' table, right? And so they began to kind of quarrel and fight and bicker. And Jesus, in only the way he could, stopped and paused and used it as a teaching moment. And this teaching moment was, you know what? Come here. Let me tell you what I'm about and what my kingdom is really about. Let me tell you about my own personal mission. And so we find it in Mark chapter 10, verse 44. It says, whoever would be first among you, which is what they were kind of arguing about, you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, you know what? Stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. Stop for a second. And let me tell you what I'm here for. I'm here to die, to give my life, and I'm here to serve others. I'm here to serve others. What was Jesus' mission? To serve people and give his life for them. So this leads us to this counter-cultural way that we need to think, the way we need to transform our mind into thinking. In order to rebuild our broken worlds. In order to be like Jesus, we need to serve others. We need to continue pursuing what it means to serve others well. Now I admit, this is going to be hard because everything in our culture screams me first. Not others first, me first. I was just watching a show on Netflix the other day and they were sitting with this uh, woman who gave this interview and in no uncertain terms she says, what you need to remember is you always have to look out for yourself first. We could watch that and just kind of keep going on with the show, but again, it's a stark reminder that that's what we know in our culture. It's me first, not others first. It's consuming, not contributing. It's sit and get versus go and serve. It's taking in instead of pouring out. It's receiving instead of giving. It's being a spectator instead of participators. And Jesus says, no, you want to be more like me? Join me in my mission. Serve others. Give more than you get. Pour out more than you take in. Remember that phrase earlier in Romans, living sacrifices? Yeah, that's part of what that means, that we're living sacrifices, that we're giving ourselves up for others. In the here and now, God's heart is for us to sacrifice our hearts and our time and our energy and our resources for other people. So, are you feeling lost and hurt, and broken, and confused, and conflicted, and maybe this lack of um, purpose, or lack of joy in your life, one of the things to rebuilding your broken world is to begin implementing a serve plan. Start serving others. I remember um, when I was a kid in Sunday school, I learned this little acrostic that spelled out the word joy. Right? So when we're lacking in joy, what do we have to go back to? And this acrostic said, Jesus and others in you. It's not me first. 
It's others ahead of me. And of course, Jesus ahead of that. We have a natural bent to consume and then to consume more. And even even this... um, uh, COVID pandemic has taught us that. I remember, you know, remember back in the beginning, you go to the grocery store and shelves were bare. You couldn't even buy toilet paper. Why? Because we had to get for ourselves. We were looking out for me first. That's the kind of transformation God wants to shift in our minds and our hearts. You see, cont- con- um, contentment and consumption don't reside together. Contentment and consumption don't reside together. Consumption with contentment is a myth. And I want us to keep that in our minds. Rebuilding your broken world is going to require the change in our thinking around that. Contentment, joy, peace, all these things that we so desperately want and need won't fully come into our lives until we start pouring out instead of taking and consuming. In Romans 12, and I'm not going into this at all, it begins to list all of these ways that we can serve, these unique ways that God has wired you specifically, starts to list out, and I encourage you to later today or this week to go through and say, what are the ways that I could best give of myself to other people? That's a great place to start. And speaking of great places to start, I'm going to transition now because I have a friend uh, that I heard um, give a word on Facebook this week. And so I said, you know what? I want to uh, talk about that as I close my message this week. So uh, sometimes we feel, we feel stuck, right? We don't know where to go from here because we want to serve. Well, this is where uh, my talk with Roger comes in. Take a look. All right, Hope Church. Well, I want to introduce you uh, to my friend, Roger. And uh, I thought um, Roger had a great word. Now, he puts up this uh, daily, uh, pretty much, um, little, um, what would you call it, Roger? A, a word for the day? <laughs> let's let's call it that. Yeah, Monday through Fridays, uh, take the weekend off. But yeah. So look him up and and follow that. But uh, he had just a great word as we're, as we talk about um, what it means to serve others. And, uh, he had a great word. It just was coincidence or maybe not. And wanted to just talk through some of the things he said about, uh, serving, um, others. And, uh, so, uh, Roger, help me out here. Uh, you talked about, you know, we, we get to this point that we want to do this. We have this heart of God. We know, um, as, as followers of Jesus, that this is a big piece um, of what we ought to be doing, but sometimes you just feel stuck. And you went through yeah. kind of four different reasons why people feel stuck. And I just want to list them off and you could just talk around that and give us all of your uh, wisdom. Um, the first thing you said is um, people feel stuck because you feel like you can't do any more than you're already doing. Can you just, just talk around that for a little bit? <laughs> well, yes, I'm an expert in stuckness. So I, I'm happy to, to, to come on or to talk about that. But sometimes people are feeling stuck because, yeah, they're, they're the max of what they can do. And actually what they are failing to realize is that there may be things that they're doing in their life that don't feel like ministry, but, but they are. They actually, so if it's a young mom who I've got kids and, and well, that is your ministry. And, and the reason you don't have time to do something else, which somehow, you know, might feel more important, it, 
No, you're, you've got right around you, you know, you've, you've got a particular need, you've got a, so sometimes we feel stuck and it's because we're failing to see in our workplace or in our family environment right there, there are places where we're serving right at the moment that are very, very, very important. Yeah, I think that's a great word. Uh, so the second thing you said um, is sometimes we can feel stuck because there's just too many needs in the world. Yeah, there, yeah. Well, there's and I'll, I'll put the two together. There's too many needs and there's too many options. Mm. Um, and I made a comparison because one of the things when I was at Hope Church we were able to do is I would visit the village of Jido, Ethiopia. But I look at that place and I realized in Jido. Everything's localized. In other words, they don't know everything that's going on around the world, but we're in a different kind of, so ministry for them would simply be their neighbors. It's just going to be local. There's not another world out there that that, but for us, we have minute by minute knowledge of crises all over the world and Yemen and Ethiopia and Haiti and and just gut-wrenching kinds of things and around our country and all kinds of problems. And then additionally, because we're wealthy and well-off and we've got all this technology, there's a hundred ways we could meet those needs, right? And, and and simply the sheer volume of need and the sheer volume of ways we could step out can shut us down. And I'm just a person who gets shut down with so many options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can easily get stuck. Where do you go with that? Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And then the last thing you said, so you said um, you can't add any more. There are too many needs in the world. There's too many options to even meet those needs. And then one that you know spoke to me too is this pressure of best. What do you mean by pressure of best? It's it's what so, what happens when someone says, "What's the best vacation you've ever taken, Roger?" And that's too much. It's to, I. When I have to try and figure the top one. So so what happens, and I felt the press of, and I'll be talking to Wilming in person, what's the thing you're most passionate about? Or what's the most strategic thing you can do? Or ultimately, what can be the toughest one is, what is the most important thing God wants you to do? As mm-hmm. if, okay, mm-hmm. what you've got to figure out in this moment is the very most important thing. So of all these options of all the need in the world and all the ways you can serve those, there's one way, which one you're supposed to figure out. And that, that shuts me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of us would feel that way. I, again, that one spoke to me mm-hmm. because I want to make a difference, right? Yes. I want yes. to do something and I, and I know God has gifted me in certain ways. And so what is that what is that narrow thing that I can do that's best without right. worrying about everything else? But sometimes when we think that we're missing the point, right? Right. Or, or, the, or the most impact, which right. again can be right. off the, this is the thing that's going to be most strategic. It's going to make the most difference in the world. And most, I think often shuts us down where we're just sitting there waiting to figure that out and doing nothing. Yeah. So, uh, so you kind of annoyed me a little bit the other day because um, you kind of left it there Excellent. and you, we had to hang on till the next morning because we were all feeling what you're saying. So now what do you do? You're like, what are the action steps? If we can kind of get past that and kind of be aware of those are the things that are going to hang us up, what would your wisdom and advice be about now? Then where do we go from here? 
Um, it's not trite. It's essential to say you start by praying. And, and praying is I'm taking all of this tension to God. And I'm saying, God, there's all these needs out there. And there are all these ways that I could maybe have some impact with that. And you've got to help me figure out where, what to step into. And I, I do lean into this word that I love from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not at your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he's going to guide your path. Mm-hmm. And I thought of God as a, in some way, um, as, um, oh, what's the word? I'm, this operator who's, um, oh, emergency operator. I'm forgetting the term. So they're aware of all uh, the di- needs. Uh, dispatch? Was that? Dispatch, thank you. Okay. So dispatch, someone who's aware of all these needs and they're pointing people. God's looking at all the need in the world. And he doesn't want all of it going one direction. So he's going to be leading. As we're leaning into, we can trust. Listen, if the, wherever God leads us, it means there's going to be some other desperate need that we're not going to. God's sending somebody else there. God's going to work with that. So don't, don't feel it. So prayer is letting God lead. And then he's going to direct. But I also want to say with prayer, it's important, is prayer is the first part of your ministry. And I, I've just under played this too often that that interceding on behalf of people it, when you start just praying over the the starting point even for some of the deep needs in the world maybe you find two or three that are really coming at your heart just initially just start praying for those praying for those people that's not insignificant that's the first step um yeah in some kind of ministry and it can also help you discern um, your own heart. Here's the beautiful thing about prayer. Nobody knows you're doing it. Mm. And sometimes the desire to make a difference in the world can suddenly be, I want to be seen as somebody who's making a difference in the world. Mm. And so we see by that person who ma- who builds an orphanage or gives this, donates this big fund, or they write this book that everyone reads or whatever. And, and sometimes our desire to make a difference in the world ends up being about us. Prayer keeps it being about, no one knows I'm doing no one knows the backstory, yeah. but I'm entering into ministry on behalf of people through prayer. So I, I say the first is is prayer. Yeah, that that is that is great. Um, is there one after that, or is that? <laughs> Did I cue you with my word first? <laughs> so so is there a second thing? And and then this is the fun, simple, um, which God taught me, which was do something. Mm. Just no, do something. And it's funny, we talk about this morning video. So two years ago in my perpetual state of stuckness, Mm. um, because I still talk about this, I still wrestle with this and I still feel stuck at points. But, and I was in this thing, I have all these things I could do and I could do this, whatever. um, And I realized, okay, let me just do something simple. And And the pressure was off. This is the thing I'm most called to do. This is the most strategic thing in the world. This is this was simply one thing I can do today. And so I said, I'm going to do a video today. And what I'm going to plan to do is each morning this week, I'm going to plan to do 7 a.m. each morning. Uh, I'm going to do this five, six minute video. <clears throat> and I didn't have a five year plan. Lose that. I think sometimes we're trying to figure We've got to have it all figured out. We've got to figure my ministry, my making a difference in the world. I'm going to have to have this everything mapped out. Nope. Just today. Just do something today. Do 
And so I just started doing a bit. It turns out two years later, I'm still doing that. But I've said this before. It's what I call the, the parked car principle. You can't steer a parked car. And we're wanting God to lead us into some direction of ministry, whatever. Well, there's a lot of points in the Bible where God says, step out. Just start doing something. And as you step out, I'll start leading. I'll start opening up. So I want to, the, the parable of the talents, I love this. For those of you who know the parable of the talents, the only mistake that the king said was, mistake is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. He, he tells this one person who, who hid his talent. He says, if you just put it in the bank and it gained a little interest. In other words, the point even the king is, lose the idea of how much interest it's made, how much, what, how much it's doing. I just want you to do something. Just move towards somebody. And so for, you know, people that, you know, if I just decide, I'm going to, I'm going to call somebody every day to encourage them. I'm going to just take one step. I'm just going to do this one simple, not a five-year plan. I don't have to have everything mapped out. I don't have a plan to build an orphanage. I don't have to, if now you may get there, but you're going to get there starting somewhere. That's so good. Hey, I love you, my brother. Thank you for sharing your word. Thank you for still representing New, Eng- New England and uh, and for always having I'm that. I'm still hanging in there, even though this wasn't our finest hour. Yeah, and always having that pen in your ear, too. Thanks yes. for holding it down. Thanks, Raj. Appreciate it. Yeah, love you guys. Well, thank you, Roger, uh, for that. Appreciate you spending your time with us this week. One final word. Um, uh, we have something called the GLOW team. It means global and local outreach. We don't want it to just be a team, actually. We want our whole church to get to this serving mindset. And now more than ever, it's a focus for us to be hands and feet of Jesus. And I did another interview this week with the head of our GLOW team, uh, Bill Reed, and he just came on the last couple of months. And so we talk about what that meant for him and also some opportunities very specifically that we have for you to go and to serve other people. And so make sure you check that out. There's a link on this page as well as we'll put it on the website. And it's just going to be some really practical handles and tools for you to begin to serve if you're not sure where to start. Listen, as I close, love is action. Love is action. May Hope Church be a place where we don't just talk about it, but that we truly go and do it. And I believe that as a part of rebuilding our broken worlds, this is a piece that we cannot take out of our lives. We have to add it in, continue to pour out instead of take. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. May all we have heard today settle into our hearts. May we stop thinking me first and begin to think others first. Yes, it's countercultural, but yes, you've called us to do that. And may, by your grace, give us the wisdom and the discernment and the courage to step out. In Jesus' name, amen.